Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Voice Like a Lion podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Pemberton, and this week it's just me, solo dolo, and no guests, but we are going to be having some very shortly. I'm excited about that. I've been a little bit under the weather, so if I sound different, if I sound as if maybe I've got a stuffy nose, then yes, you would be correct. Now, today I want to talk about money mythology. I felt like I was supposed to make this video, supposed to make this podcast, because there's so many money myths that unless you get into rooms that most people don't, then, or if you don't know where to find the information, you are associated with these mythologies that don't actually serve you the greatest. And this one might get spicy. I just want to put that disclaimer out there. I just want to say that before I dive into it. It might get spicy because one of the first ones is the American dream. And what, what do I mean? Steven, you ain't telling me that the American dream is myth. I'm not saying the American dream in terms of you can create the life that you want is a, is a myth. The American dream in terms of go to school, go to a good school, get good grades, graduate with your degree, get a good job, save in your 401k, retire, and then you'll be able to have a million dollars in your bank account and enjoy your retirement. I think the average age of retirement now is 67. The average age for a male, for them to live, is I think down to 74 or 75. So you're telling me that I'm supposed to work all the way until I'm 66, 67, hopefully have enough money put away that I can make it eight years of my life. That is devastating. Why would I want to do something that I don't enjoy for over 30 plus years for me to retire and then start enjoying my life just to have an okay house, drive an okay car, go on a vacation once a year, but I got a savings account. So that to me is one of the biggest myths, which gets perpetuated by certain people, even in the money game. And what I mean by that, one of these people, which I think I want to preface this by saying, I think he is great to get you to a certain point as far as I think it is good to understand money, how to steward money well. And what I'm, and with that is how do I get it? How do I keep it? How do I save it? And, but the part that this person doesn't teach is how do you invest it? The person I'm talking about, you guys probably know who this is. If you don't, you can Google him. It's Dave Ramsey. So Dave Ramsey talks about saving, 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 saving. Dave Ramsey, I have a second screen pulled up over here. He, I, I think it was during 2020, so right in COVID or 2021, sold a house for $12 million in Nashville. You don't get to $12 million home, not just keeping in your account. You don't get there by saving. You just don't, unless you were making millions of dollars per year, which typically you don't get there unless you are a high C-suite executive of a major corporation. So, and most people behind the curtains on that is with most executives, you're getting paid in, in basically stocks. That There's the term. So you're getting paid in stocks. You're not necessarily getting paid in cash. So you may have $2 million worth of stocks, but you're getting paid $500,000 a year or even a million dollars a year is what you're getting paid. And you've got 
contract options where if you hit certain goals and objectives, you get bonuses. And most of the time, they'll also incentivize with stocks. Depends on the corporation. But still, $12 million home. Dave Ramsey's net worth is $200 million. I don't think he got to $200 million by cutting out Starbucks. If he did, mind you, <coughs> I would love to know how he did that because I don't drink Starbucks very often and I'm not worth $200 million. But that's one of those things where he doesn't teach it. I think it's great for people who are in a tough financial position. You're in a job. You're trying to figure out maybe you're newer in marriage or maybe you are newer, fresh out of high school. You're trying to figure out how to manage your money. I think it's good to learn how to manage, but he's not going to teach you how to invest. And investing looks so different. So that's one of those big mythologies that, I mean, I've talked to in this past six months alone. I have an entire book. I have two actually. I have a book right here. For those of you who are watching this on YouTube, you can see it. It's this ugly gray notebook. And I've got close to 100 different people in here. And more than 75% of them are millionaires. So if that's the case, from all these people I've talked to and been able to come into contact with high-level business owners, all investors, angel investors, real estate investors, all these kind of things. You heard it right there is investing, investing, investing. The game is even when it comes to big name in the industry right now, Alex Hormozzi. I love Alex. Even with him, it's not the game of starting a business, growing a business, and then selling the business. That's not the game. Not anymore. I think that that's a, a starting point that most people can comprehend. But it's actually how do you become the investor? Because once you have a certain level of understanding with the information to be able to understand a deal and say, okay, I'm looking at this PL, I'm looking at their, their compound annual growth rate, and it's their compound annual growth rate over the last five years has been 20%. So they're growing 20% year over year. They're asking $1.1 million for it. So that means if I, then you go and you could figure out your debt situation. Can I get this all on debt or can I, what's your leverage look like? Can I get, can I put 30% down of the 1.1 leverage the other 70% in debt? Because then you're, you would be looking at a great deal because the very next year, a business that was 1.1 is now 1.2. <laughs> it's like 1.2, 1. whatever, just based off of your compound annual growth rate. But when you, and I could have just absolutely butchered that. So if you are a finance expert and you're a deal expert and I butchered that, please leave it in the comments below how I butchered that and how it should be said because I'm still learning but it is about the learning and it's about the information and learning the information. I'm by no means an expert. I have built a couple of successful businesses that have been able to do over a million dollars in revenue per year. And both of those we no longer own at this time. We've also had multiple Airbnbs, exited both of those. So have some experience when it comes to business and what it looks like and actually have two businesses right now, one in the virtual event space, 
and one that is strictly in e-commerce and helping six-figure direct-to-consumer brands scale to seven figures through our strategies and our implementation of those strategies. So I say all that to say business <coughs> is about the information. It's not even so much. It is about the implementation, but if you don't know what to implement and how to implement it, then you're basically running east looking for a sunset. You have to have the correct information and the mythologies of money, especially that one where it's about working a certain amount of time and then saving a certain amount of money and then you can have the life that you want. If you, and this is biblically based, is when, so you got the parable with the five talents. There's another one where I think it was 10 silver coins. And when the master gave the five talents, it was, so he, it's the, he gives the talents or it's the, the parable of the talents. He gives five talents to one. He gives two talents to another. He gives one talent to the last servant. And then the one who had five doubled it, turned it into 10. The one who had two doubled it, turned it into four. The one who had one <coughs> saved it. He stuck it in the ground, got scared. And he's in the, the master comes back. The, the dude who had five turned it to 10, brings it to him. And <coughs> excuse me. And he says, well done. Great job. Because you have done this, I love the other story. It's in Luke where he talks about because I can trust you with the money. Now I can trust you with five. You, I, now I can trust you with 10 towns. It wasn't just money. It, it actually changed. The game changed. And I'm getting this revelation in the moment is it went from how can you and it's not manage your money. That's the mistake is most of us. And this has been me included. I will get five and I'll see. OK, so out of that five, three has to go to expenses. And then out of the last two, I'm going to save it just in case. But this servant took the five, turned it into 10, and it turned into where he gives it back to the king in this story in Luke. And the king says, well done, because you have done that, I'm gonna make you a, a governor over 10 towns, just because he can control 10 bags of silver. So to me, and then of course, the, the one who only did one, he gets absolutely ripped to shreds verbally, because it's, he said you could have at least put it in the bank instead of burying it. You could have done something. You got it. You could have at least multiplied the money and put a multiple on it. And that's something that we hear about nowadays too. Is what is the multiple? And <coughs> most small businesses, depending on their systems, depending on their scalability and the market, is usually three to five x is their normal average of what that multiple can be. And even a myth as you get higher in the business space is the more, because especially in the content age is everyone is building brands around themselves, which is fantastic. Except if your entire business is based off of you. If I, if I am Steven Pemberton and friends, and then I'm helping people with e-commerce and I'm helping them with events and I'm helping with all this stuff. And then, 
my company's doing a hundred million dollars a year annually, you go, oh man, you'd be able to sell that thing so easy. But if I went to somebody and I said, hey, <coughs> I've got a hundred million followers on Instagram, I've got a hundred million followers over all my socials. And this is where the revenue is generated from. But I'm ready to exit. How much are you willing to give me? They probably would give me like 20 million, if that. On a business that is doing 100 million annually. Why? Because I am the entire brand. And then most of the time, they would probably try to keep me on. That way I could, I, I could bring somebody in and make sure that it could actually pass on to the, to the new owners because it would be completely based on me. And if I pivoted away, it's going to, the business is going to take a hit. And that's one of those mythologies that it's everything has to be centered around you. Really the bigger your business starts to scale, you, you are your best advertiser. You are your best salesperson when you are making a business. And so absolutely it's going to be based around you in the beginning, but as you begin to scale, as you begin to start making enough money to live, then you're making enough money to where you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about your expenses anymore. And the business is taking care of itself and it has a month over month growth and a year over year growth. Now you are hiring employees and they're taking some of these tasks away is think about it. Not even in terms of just building out a business where they're taking away tasks is how are you building a business that can run without you? Because once you get to a point where you can hire managers that are managing the people that are doing those tasks, and then you can hire executives that a small group of executives that are managing the managers and growing the business, because that's the executive jobs. The manager's job is to manage the teams that are doing the frontline work. The executive's jobs is to grow the company. And once you get to that point and you can find good executives that are growing the company where you don't have to, that's where you can step back from it and either exit without exiting is where now the business runs by itself. You just overview it. You can do it bi-weekly. Bi you can do it monthly where you have a meeting with that exec team, look over the financials, see what's going on in the company. And, or you could exit that business. If you're doing a hundred million a year, you could easily go get a ton of money <laughs> because it's running without you. And that's something to think of is that's a money myth too, that the whole brand has to be you. Your whole business has to be you. That's actually detrimental when it comes to looking at investors spoken to many, I wouldn't say many, I've spoken to a few investors, very high level. And one that's helped raise over a billion dollars in capital and talking to him, especially, and the, uh, well, I would say the other investor as well, the other angel investor is they don't like when it's a brand just around a person who is selling things. They could have a brand and have softwares and platforms and all this stuff. But if the, if it all is driven through this one person's personal brand, then the, then it's a, it makes investors nervous because if something happens to the brand where this guy has a scandal or this guy does something dumb and, or if he just loses his mind and runs off, the business is going to go down. It's going to go under. And so that's something that they look at as well. Another thought process I want to talk to you guys about is just to think about money in a different sense where and I'm still learning this, but think about it. And this is difficult sometimes. 
and this is where we can get into a whole crazy discussion about finding the right buyers and all that, but people want to commoditize. So how, how do you stand out apart from commoditization is it's not just based on the price of things. It's about you presenting yourself in a way where if you're going to do $500 a month worth of work and you see somebody else doing it for 600 bucks a month and you just reduce that price. So that way you could get the sale. What if you found a bigger client because you had the information, the skills to do it either way, whether it's a $500 client or a $5,000 a month client or a $500,000 a month client, if you had that same skill level, you could easily, it, I wouldn't say easily, but you could go find them. If you could find one, one client, <coughs> it could change your entire life. Instead of, well, I've got this one at 500 bucks a month, it's not changing my life. That, if they're, they're gonna be asking you more questions, they're gonna be more concerned because they don't have as much available cash flow. So for me, my thoughts is look for the prospective buyer. If you are looking at this on YouTube, you can see that one of our offers right here is $10,000. And that's an offer, but that's our starting offer. Because for me, it's gonna take the same amount of reach outs, it's gonna take the same amount of phone calls to get the same amount of closes, where instead of me needing three to make a livable income, I can just do one. So to me, and it's, it to me is I'm thinking, okay, if I can figure out the right inputs to my outputs, which it would be sales, then if the price is right and I have the right buyer in mind, then I will actually be able to help them more because they're going to have more available cash flow for us to invest into the business, to work together, to scale. They're not going to be so worried about everything that's happening. And it's going to give me leeway to work with them in these areas where it's like, Hey, I think we should invest a little bit more money here. Or maybe we should look at increasing ad spend here, or maybe we should look at taking away this product line and just revamping this big product line that's working really well. And when you, you can't do that with somebody who's paying you 500 bucks because they expect the same thing that this $10,000 offer is gonna get for 500. And to be real with you, there's that has actually happened to me recently. And again, this is a mindset thing, money mindset, where just because you're in a spot where maybe you need the 500, but you typically charge 2000. This is a real example. Don't decrease your price just because of pain. Because you're automatically telling yourself, I am not worth what I, I'm not worth that 2000. I'm actually worth 500. And the hard thing is, is it's Steven, you, you don't get it. I really could use the, the money. Trust me, I get it. I'm recording this in a spot where I get it. I get it, get it. Like, I really get it. The Lord told us to shut down a million dollar business last year and it's been complete re-innovation. We had two Airbnbs. We had to exit both of them. Had to. Was not a thing where we just wanted to. And to be able to stay alive. <laughs> and so with that being said, you have to convince your mind because the, the, hard, the hardest person to sell is yourself. If you're not sold on the price, 
then no one else is going to be either. And when it comes to the pricing, don't reduce it just to make a sale because you're immediately making yourself a commodity, which means that this person's going to say, Hey, because you were willing to reduce the price, I still want the same amount of work you would do at that price. <coughs> I want to make the same amount of changes. Actually, because I know that you need that money, I actually want you to do more. I actually want you to do more than what you would have done because I could tell that you needed it. And I think that that is a easy spot to find yourself. And again, one of those money myths is you have to see it before you believe it. That's one of those things I used to grow up hearing. You have to, the, the flip of that, and I want to leave this with you. You have to believe it before you see it. You actually have to have a vision for where you want to go. And then you have to have actionable, trackable steps of how are we going to get there. And then on top of that is speaking enough to yourself, speaking to other people even, where they can get you out of your belief system and into a different one. Where making a million dollars is not that crazy. It's actually not that much money. Even if you keep a million, a million would be life-changing money to me right now. But even keeping a million is not that much money. I mean, we we went and toured, we love touring open houses. We went and toured this open house, it was over a million dollars. The most expensive one we toured was three million. We walked in, I walked in the three million dollar home, almost 10,000 square feet, and I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> it was big, but it was so blocky and chunky that to me, I just went, it would take so much money to make this a place that I would want to live. And I saw people coming in there just like, oh, wow, look at this place. It's incredible. But I have a different belief system. I have a different belief system that $3 million is not that much money. 9,000 square feet is big. And it's a lot, <coughs> a lot of square footage, but it's also not crazy. There's a house in Dallas, Texas that's 31,000 square feet. So over three times bigger than this house I walked in. A million dollars right now because of inflation is not a ton of money. Until you can really get to where you're making five million a year, where you are keeping it, and that's per year, then you've kind of, you have broken out of that cycle. Now you're in a position which that is big then you're in a position where you have the capability to say, okay, I'm making this money and I would do this even at a million is as soon as you start scaling up, taking that money and figuring out where can I multiply? Once your, your foundation is set, once your bills are paid, once you have an account that you save where, and you're not saving just to just keep it there. You're saving for two reasons is one that's your emergency fund for if the Lord tells you to shut down another business. And at the same time is you have it there for anything else and then have another account for giving, have an investment account, which is where I would put most of that money. And you would take that money and say, okay, so my business is spitting out this much cash. How can I invest in something? And in it also start pouring cash in because that's how you multiply. That's how you grow. But just that thought process of believe it before you see it. It's one of the, the things that sounds the most easy, but it's also the most difficult because unless you've actually been there, it's hard to convince your mind that that's possible.
<coughs> so if you can find people who have gone where you want to go and offer value to them so you can get in the room, whether that's just a virtual chat, whatever that is, that will change your money mindset. It will change what you believe can be possible. Because right now, if you're in a position where you're around people that have those money mindsets of save until you get 8,000 years old and or whatever it may be, or just trying to make $100,000 a year, or maybe you're making $250,000 a year, you're good, you're set. Those people are going to keep you right there. And there's something inside of you, if you're listening to this, and you've made it this far, there's something inside of you that's saying there's more. And if you believe there's more, but you don't know how to more, because it's always the how, always get stuck in the how instead of the why. And we hear why, but the thing is, is once you get around people who have a big why, why they're doing that, they're doing that to change the world. Like Elon Musk is really thinking he's changing the world. When you get around those people, changes your mindset, changes the direction of your life. So go out there, surround yourself with good people. Don't try to be the smartest in the room. Find the room where you're the dumbest. Change those money beliefs, those money mindsets. And I'm excited to see where you guys go. Till next time, I'm your host, Stephen Pemberton. Peace.